0: So we are excited to have this campus. I mean, you know, I just thought I talked to Phyllis, talked to the team, and I just thought, man, uh, unless we are mandated to not meet at all, we're going to meet. I'm going to be, I'm going to be here. I just think that in a time like this, the church needs hope, people need hope, the world needs hope. Um, and, and so as long as we are, obe- like I want to obey the, 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 the county commissioner, and I text Commissioner Morales. So I'm just grateful that we can meet. If you are new, thank you for joining us. Uh, you, you could be our guest today. Thank you for being a part of this experience. Um, it is church, not as usual. Things are different. Uh, today is a very pivotal day. I wasn't even going to be here today. Phyllis and I and the kids had a vacation plant. Uh, we've been working so hard on this building for two and a half months. Uh, we were just going to take some time away, and I was like, "Well, it's okay." And then just I saw the, the the really the the panic. You know, you start to. I just got off Instagram and and Facebook. I mean, just just get off of it right now. <clears throat> Why don't we spend more time reading the Word of God? Then, then social media that's just, f- I mean, I never felt good about social media before because it makes everybody's marriage looks better. Everybody's kids look better. Everybody's hair looks better. Everybody's house looks better. So I never felt good about it anyway. But if you're on there for any amount of time now, I'm just gripped with fear. I'm like, my God, what are we going to do? Like, is there, is my house still there? Like, did somebody take it and move it into Washington or something? I mean, right? I mean, it's this, this whole fear, and it grips you. <clears throat> but here's the thing. Why don't we allow God's word and faith grip us? Why don't we say, look, I'm going to choose to go to the right place. Here's what I've learned. <clears throat> there is nothing you will learn there that God couldn't tell you in your quiet time. And when I have a word from God, there's a confidence from God. Like, I really believe God said to meet this weekend. Well, I, I called Pastor Chris Hodges, my pastor. I text Pastor Kevin Gerald. I text David Crank. I text Jeremy Foster. I text all the guys. And I said, this is what I think I need to do. Is that they said, if you've got a place, do it. The church needs to rise up. They need hope. They need to know that God is still in control. And so if my overseers are saying it and it's resonating with what I felt the Lord say, then I'm going to move forward. And here's what I know. We've done 10 weeks on faith, being a water walker. You know, we've been talking about not listening to the report of the 10 spies that went into Canaan. They lost their promise because they had a negative report. Now, listen, here's what I know. I'm not telling us to deny what's happening. I, I acknowledge what's happening. Uh, We are working hard to make sure everything is well taken care of. In fact, we've taken preventative measures. We've asked people, if you're sick, stay at home. So look, we're glad people are watching on the live stream. We beefed up the live stream so it would be mixed right. Your experience would be better. And we're glad that you stayed home. Some people stayed home, and this is what I want to be careful of, is their conviction said they need to stay home. We don't judge them. We don't think any less of them. We want people to live by their conviction. We're not holier. We don't walk in more faith. We just are doing what we felt like we were convicted to do. So I want us to make sure we get that as well. But as a church, look, we're spra- we li- we we salt and sprayed all the seats before you came in. We'll do it right when you leave as well. We've done all the hard services. We've done check-in. We've done all the toys. We, we always do it, but now we're doing it between every service and, and multiple times. And, and nobody, like, we didn't dap and high-five. It's just a holy pageant wave or whatever you want to call that just this just work on it and you know so and don't get your feelings hurt if pastor doesn't hug you I'm not afraid but I don't want to make you know I just want to be wise with you does that make sense so don't get your feelings hurt if the awesome doesn't hug you like normal it's just we just want to be cautious we want to live in that caution but I'm not going to deny the fact that my faith says to gather together. I'm not going to deny the fact that I felt the Lord say, hey, pull the church together. There's a core and uh, they need to hear the word and they want to come together live. And so as long as we can do that, I want you to know we're going to do that. We're going to continue to gather. We're going to continue to come together. If if things change, I want you to subscribe to our email list uh, I'm not even sure how they subscribe to it. Fill out a connection card and then drop it in the giving center. Put your email on that. That's our best mode. I think we have a couple thousand emails that we send out every time we send a blast. And then um, also social media, Facebook, Instagram, go to Anchor Ben TX, and then you can follow along. Everything is posted those through those outlets. And if things change, which things are changing. So I may get up tomorrow, and they've asked everyone to not meet at all. Well, okay, we're going to follow what they're asking us to do, unless the Lord speaks something different. Sometimes it's like, okay, God, we're to, but but it's wise counsel. And so just know everything's going to change, and it could change, and we're going to do what we feel like is wise. And then here's what I'm asking you to do. Do what your conviction leads you to do. And then uh, we're going to see God do great things. Now, I, I do want to say, share a few things that have nothing to do with coronavirus, I have a message that I really believe the Lord dropped into my heart that will encourage us and help us in this time. But I also know that uh, we're closing on a building April 20th, and I'm not going to let the coronavirus stop what God's doing in that. Remember, getting out of the water means that though the waves come crashing and the wind is blowing, we don't move off of what God said. And so I want to encourage you, those of that that, that have have obeyed the Lord with, with giving in the miracle offering, listen, make a demand on that. What I mean by that is I just say, hey, listen, I got stocks just like everybody else. I have investments just like everybody else. But this is what I know. My God is recession proof. He is a stock market crash proof. And if he's got to give me money a different way, he'll do it. And so I just say, God, I listened to you when I gave. I'm not, I'm not discouraged because he knew this was going to happen, and I did what he said to do. And I want to encourage you, those of you that have faith pledges, continue to give your faith pledges. Don't deviate in what the Lord said. That's the beauty of doing what God said. You didn't do. I didn't give you a number. I didn't tell you what to get. I said, ask God, and whatever he says, you give. And then he's the one that provides. And he knew back then when he spoke to you. And don't let fear grip you to cause you to second guess. I promise you the devil did not tell you to give to moving forward. To buy a building that would mark a stake in the ground in our community. That would see thousands and thousands and thousands of people saved. It wasn't the devil. And it probably wasn't your flesh. I'm just saying. Because you had to sacrifice, right? The flesh don't like to sacrifice. We want everything for us. So it's probably the voice of God. And so I, I do want to give you an update where we're at. Uh, the miracle offering update, we've received $219,337.19. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's on top of everything the last couple of months. Um, and so I just want you to know the only thing we need now is $191,777.81. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I stood up here in December, said we need to raise a million dollars in 100 days. And the only giant we have left is 191000 How many know that is a miracle? God is moving. We're going to buy this property. We've already set the close date. We're going to the closing. Uh, I do want you to continue to pray and ask God to bring the money in. Um, and we're just going to keep moving. We've got 35 days, and God will bring it in. Uh, He's going to bring it in however he needs to do it, and so we're grateful for that. If you'd like to give to the miracle offering, everything given to moving forward this month will go to the miracle offering, and then in April, everything given that's marked moving forward will go to your two-year faith pledges. They start in April, Uh, and so you're not too late. You can give all month just like Legacy. Just grab an envelope, mark your gift. Also, if you'd like to pledge or you felt like the Lord told you to do a two-year faith pledge. Don't not do it because we've reached the goal. I want you to know we've had $1,070,508.59 <laughs> pledge for the next two years. <laughs> but if you hadn't given your pledge yet, don't not do it because I didn't tell you to do it anyway. God did. And so don't, don't let them say, well, man, I hit the goal. I don't have to do it. What well, it really wasn't about me anyway it was about what God wants to do through you. So don't rob yourself of the blessing and just obey God. Be faithful to that. You can fill it out. Put it in the giving center. Uh, and we will um, put that towards the next couple of years. So excited about what God is doing. Um, I, I was so encouraged last week, second service, I had Joanna and Nico and a couple of guys say, Hey, there's a group of kids that want to meet you. And I'm always, I'm always thrilled when kids want to meet me. And I thought, okay, cool. They have something they want to give you. Here's the group. Um, it is actually a small group. Celia Marquez has a kids small group. How many know kids need small groups too? They need to have relationships. It's not just adults. And so she felt led this semester to do a kids small group. And they got together and said, we want to be a part of the miracle offering. Now you're talking about kids. They ain't got no job. They probably aren't getting an allowance either. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I know how cheap some of you are. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) So they got no income, no way to make money. And yet they said, we want to be a part of it. So they decided to bake cupcakes and sell them for a couple of weeks at the Dream Center so that they could hand in a miracle offering. Let me tell you how much they they raised, $477. If that didn't inspire you, the heart of a child that says, I want to invest in my classroom. So think about this, and this is what I told them, when they get into their classrooms in the new building... They paid for it. They they invested in it. They sowed into that. And here's what's even cooler. If you think about this, for all of eternity, they will reap rewards of other kids that go into the classrooms, that give their life to Jesus. These kids will go into heaven and get eternal rewards because they baked cupcakes and stood outside and sold them. I mean, that's the kind of thing that, that you look at and you just say, man, if they can do it, God... Man, help me to stretch. Help me to be a part. They get it. And so I'm so proud of them and just wanted to highlight them and tell them your pastor is proud of you. So excited. Now, I do want to talk this morning. You Pull out your message notes or your phones or something. I want you to take some notes just because today I'm going to give you lots of scriptures. I really believe I have a word of encouragement and hope to give I believe God brought you here. You're watching online. It really is a divine providence. And it's because he wants you to hear his word. Not my opinion, not my perspective, but really his word on this matter, on this topic. And you know, when I began to study out really what's happening, it really shocked me, some of the things. And I'll I'll go through some of the stuff that I I learned, even some of the terms and verbiage that's being used. But I, I even thought about, For me, I went back whenever I got to preach a message. I was on vacation this week, and Pastor Ashley was going to bring the heat. And I was like, yo, I'm good. And uh, then really, Friday night, Saturday morning, I just said, I got to be there. I got to share what God uh, wants me to say to our people. I think that's my responsibility. Um, And so you pulled me out of retirement this weekend. (laughs) And uh, I'm grateful to do that, but when I get ready to prepare a message, a lot of times I'll go back to what I preached before as a beginning block, kind of a resource of, okay, what was God speaking? It's amazing how many messages you preach in seven years. And every one of them I study just 15, 20 hours. I mean, I'm just all in uh, these messages. And I was shocked to realize I've never really spoken on the topic of fear. I've talked a lot about faith I did do Hope in the Darkness, so it addressed it. Do you guys remember that series? That was one of the most powerful series. Um, But I realized that I hadn't ever really spoken on fear directly. Um, And and this is really an appropriate time over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be sharing about it because what I'm recognizing and what I believe is it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I'm not just talking about the coronavirus, which I do believe there's a facet of that. Um, I think it's just the end times. You go read Matthew 24 and Jesus talks about the end times. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, famine, all those things that we have seen for so long, but really taking for granted that we could actually be in the last days. And, you know, my pastor believes that this is probably the last generation. Um, Except for a miracle from God, there's been some research which which um, even the shift in politics has stayed the hand of the end times, which is very fascinating. Uh, there's a guy that does a study. It's, a, it's an amazing study. Um, but this is what I know, whether he comes back in my generation or not, this is my last generation. And so I want to be prepared because I, I'm going to die and, and I want to make sure that I live in this generation the right way. Um, and so I want to build our faith and, and, and encourage us. But I also think it's important in doing that, that we take ownership, recognizing that it's your time to rise up and be the church. Like you have to rise up. Like, it's not, oh, I can't just do it myself. It can't just be Pastor Jim. It can't just be our staff and our dream teamers and leaders. But as a church, individually, there's got to be an ownership that says, I'm the church. So if God's going to move in the end times, in these last days, he's going to do it through me. He's going to use me to impact the world that we live in, coronavirus or not, famine or not. All the things that are happening, war or not, God wants to use us to be the solution to this world problems and look at Romans 8 28 it says and we know that God causes some things a few things a couple of things what's he say everybody say it say it one more time he didn't say some. he said all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose so if you're a believer you love God you're called according to his purpose God will never waste a crisis I think that that's what's amazing about God. See, the world runs to a crisis, and in that, they it's this fear, it's this pandemonium, it's this, this nervousness, anxiety. But what God says, look, in this crisis, I don't want you to run to fear. I want you to lean on faith. I don't want you to run to the government. I want you to run to me. I don't want you to run to people. I want you to run to the church. And so God's going to use a crisis to cause people who otherwise would not be looking for truth, would not be looking for answers, to go to a place where there are real answers to what they're facing in this world. I want to give you some examples of headlines that you would not see in the mainstream media for the most part. Look at this right here. People of Israel pray for China. Phyllis said this in the second service last week. Nearly a thousand people gathered at the Western Wall to pray against the coronavirus. Listen, there are people uniting together that never would have united, doing what they never would have done to fight through prayer a disease that is plaguing the world. What's that look like? That looks like the church being the church. See, in times of peace, it's easy for us to get distracted, for us to go isolate ourselves. But when times of crisis hit, now it's like, man, we got to get together. Why? Because this is for real. We're in a battle. Like there's a crisis. And the only way we weather it is if we do it together. Here's another headline you wouldn't see. Christians boldly share the love of Christ on the streets of China's coronavirus hot zone. And think about. I want. I want to read a couple of just uh, sentences out of this this article. I just want you to hear this. Chinese Christians are handing out mass. They're handing out mass to people on the streets. Isn't it interesting? It's the Christians, not the government. I think there's a time and a place for the government, but I also believe God put the church to be the church. Listen, if we believe God heals, if we believe God protects, if we believe God has called us to be the hope, we ought to be on the front lines of fighting the virus. Along with the mass, they're also handing out gospel tracts. So it's, it's, it's with a purpose, like I'm leading them to Jesus. It's not just a good, kind act. It's I'm going to do this, and I want you to know that God is real, and he cares. It says there are Christians that go out into the streets. They're very courageous, he said. They give out mass. They say that they're Christians. They share the love of Christ. And then they point Jesus, point people to Jesus and bring hope to them, their families, and the whole of China. This is really a breakthrough. This is what the article is saying. There's an estimated 100 million Christians in China who often face persecution in the communist nation. So 100 million, they face persecution. Yet for this reason, they have not had to go underground, but they can move forward and evangelize. God is up to something that is greater than what the media is portraying. Look, they've got facts, but they don't have all the facts. Charisma News, reports of supernatural healing, revivals in midst of coronavirus outbreak. As da- Here, I'm just going to read this. As dangerous as this virus is, it's no match for the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Recently, I interviewed Dennis Balcom, a missionary to China, for the last 40 years. He shared some incredible insights into what God is doing through His people, including the sick coming for healing and people running to churches for hope. Churches for hope. That's the place where the lost and people who are hurting, those who are sick, those who are afraid, where do they go for hope? To the church. As says, the media says the coronavirus is the third plague to hit China in the span of this generation. He points out that when the people can't rely on their government, they look for help elsewhere. And that's when the church has the opportunity to shine brightly with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're being told that people are coming in swarms to churches, house churches, that the gospel is being evangelized. People are going into the street person to person and supernatural healings are taking place in public. How I many know oh, God is on the move? I need you to know it's an exciting time to be alive where there is fear and pessimism and anxiety and worry. As the church, this is an exciting time for us to say, I'm not going to cave into fear. I'm not going to bow down to fear. I'm not going to fall into the trap of fear. But I choose to believe God is up to something. And really, I'm praying that this wakes up the body of Christ. The American church has been asleep. The American church has been slumbering in in prosperity. We've been slumbering in entertainment. We've been slumbering and all the things that have allowed us to become complacent and this is a moment for us to rise up and to wake up I believe it has the potential to be our finest hour in America that our community needs us more than ever This is a time they need us to be up front and engaged, not to retreat into our houses and to isolate ourselves. We're hearing this term social isolation. I understand what they're saying, but I want you to know that as the church, we're not called to social isolation. I know it got quiet. Let me explain. We're not called to cower back into our homes and to build up barriers and to build up walls. I want to actually give you a charge, and that charge is to learn to neighbor. That as the church, we may not gather in the masses, but can you walk house to house down the block that you have lived on for the last 10 years and check on your neighbor? Here's what I think is going to happen. How many of you live in a home? And I bet you, if you're like most people, even me and Phyllis, I've never walked all the blocks of my house and met all my neighbors. But if I were to tell you or encourage you, this would be the time to make sure you and your family walk house to house. Introduce yourself. Say, I'm a Christian. I'd love to pray for you. Is there anything I can pray with you about? Listen, we live in this house right down the road. If you need toilet paper, I got your TP. If you need food, I got your food. If you need water, I got your water. If you need anything, you don't have to worry about it. We got you covered. Again, my name is Jim. This is Phyllis. These are our kids. We're here to serve you. Can we pray with you? And so we begin to not isolate ourselves, but begin to go out to the places that we would have never gone to had this virus never happened. It's a time for us to step up. Someone says, well, what if I run out of food? Well, I get it. What if you do? Maybe this is a time for demonstrated miracles. Maybe this is the time where Jesus told the disciples, I want you to feed them. He didn't say sit back and let me feed them. He said, I want you to feed them. And if he told the disciples to feed the crowd, we are his disciples. And I think there comes a point where there's got to be miracles, signs and wonders. Either God is real or he's not. And if we get down to the place where we're breaking bread and breaking fish and asking God to multiply, we're just going to have to believe God will multiply what we give him. Now, just think we cannot cave in. And so it's that supernatural. When's the last time you leaned into God's supernatural? When? and, And I would probably say it's been a while. Listen, we don't even have to lean into God for supernatural things when you're sick because we have so much medicine. Indigestion? Get some Tums. Sinus? Take some sinus medicine, right? I mean, whatever you've got, we've got prescription, we've got pills, and yet instead of leaning into the presence and power of God, and I'm not talking, listen, use wisdom. Thank God for prescription pills. Thank God for over the counter medicine. But there ought to be a point where it's like, God, I'm going to believe you to heal this, and I'm going to give you a couple of days, and I'm just going to muscle through it. But in a couple of days, if it's not, I'll go get medicine. But have I even tried to pray it away? Have I even believed that He might actually heal it? have I even taken the faith to say he's greater than the drugs that the world can produce. This is that time to rise up and say, I'm gonna be the church. Just try it. I'm just saying, just try it. Like, just can we just try? I would rather miss God trying. I would rather miss God having tried to. I'd, I'd rather miss God looking stupid, breaking pizza up and saying, Come on, somebody, God, multiply it. But I mean, why not try it? Right? I'd rather try laying hands on someone that's died and say, God, heal them, than, than say, well, I had the power, but I didn't do anything. I had the ability, but I didn't do anything. And so I just think maybe we ought to look a little crazy. I think we're afraid of losing our reputation, and we're in doing that, we minimize God's reputation. We are actually hurting the church because we've been scared to step out. I think this is the time to step out. I think this is the time for us to be, you know, I, and i got to be, candid, there are people that are not happy that we're meeting. I mean, to think that people are happy, they're not because they're like, why aren't you in quarantine? Why? Listen, it's okay. People gonna hate on you. People say, why would you go neighbor to neighbor? That's foolish. Why would you do? Listen, it's okay. I'm using God's wisdom and I'm going to move forward in what we believe and we're going to choose to operate in faith. Amen. Our community needs us more than ever. Let me tell you, you know, the couple of weeks, I want to give you a little bit of direction. We're going to meet every week, three services. If they, we may even go to a fourth, depending on how full the other service is to give some space. Uh, But we're going to keep meeting until they tell us not to. If, you know, there's a mandate, we'll look at it. We're going to have small groups. I think it's more important now than ever to have your small groups. Please, if you, if you, if you will join, with, just don't cancel your small group. Have 10 or 12 people in your home. Invite people. Break bread together. Spend time together. Look, you're going to have time on your hands. Come on, somebody. It's like, get, get your kids to Citigroup. Like, they're out of school for two weeks. You need a break. I know some of you are stressed out. Not for corona. You're stressed out for your kids. Get them to Citigroup tonight. Starts at 6 o'clock. Right, Joe? 6 o'clock. We're on spring break. Break, Are you sure? So there is no city group tonight. Okay. All right. So tomorrow, next week then. We're going to do it next week. Good. Okay. So but get them to small groups. I know I got a bunch of small groups. I'm having all my small groups. We're meeting as normal. We're going to gather. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. Um, and we're going to see God do what only he can do. Now, here's a couple of thoughts I want to just put in, into your heart. Faith doesn't ignore reality. <clears throat> so I want to speak to this. Faith faces facts, but recognizes God is greater than facts. So I acknowledge what's happening. Listen, my head's not in the sand. I'm watching it. Listen, I've got all the news. I'm watching what's taking place I'm in all the alerts. I just choose to believe that God is still in control and that God has the final say of what happens in my life. Why? Because I'm a believer. And that he's going to lead me and show me what I need to do. But again, he's not going to do it if you're not spending time with him. If you're watching all the news and all the, the, you know, go on Netflix and all, that's great. Listen, I don't mind some of it, but this ought to be a time where we're praying more than we've ever prayed. Spending time with God more than we've ever spent time with God. Because this is what we've got to get in our hearts. It's His Word. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Not in quarantine. Not in social isolation. Not, and I know those things are good, but I'm just saying my trust comes in Christ. With all my heart, don't don't depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. It is not just for Pastor Jim and Pastor Phyllis. God wants to show you what path you ought to take. And I want to encourage you in this. There are people here today and those that are watching online, I prophesy this. There will be a transfer of wealth in your life. The fear would cause you to back out to shrink away, to remove yourself. I'm telling you it's time to go all in. Find ways to, to create something new. Look, the stock market doesn't bother me. I got stocks. Listen, I lost a lot of money on stocks, but I also got some more cash, and I'm going to put it in the stock market, because how else do you think God will transfer the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the righteous? And you mark my words, within a month, there will be a massive transfer of wealth from the wicked, from the world, into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of righteousness if you do not shrink back in fear. So I'm not telling you, I mean, you got to listen to God. I'm just telling you, if you will open up your eyes and listen there, how else would that happen? Think about it. Sometimes we spiritualize things so much, we miss the practical side of it. God could use this to shift economies, to shift the, 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 the control of what's taking place in the world. And, and you watch, it's going to happen. Watch, in, in 30 days, you're going to see a massive transfer. So th- third thing is, look, faith is having complete trust and confidence in God. I put my trust in you. You're the one that helps me in time of trouble. Psalm 34, 17 through 18, the Lord hears his people. When they call to him for help, he rescues them from all their troubles. Didn't say some of their troubles. Said, "Oh, See, God's not watching to fulfill your thoughts. He's watching to fulfill his word. He said he would deliver me, not from some of my troubles, not a portion of my troubles, but he would deliver me from all of my troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed, those who's, who are, are crushed. Think about the fear and the pandemic and this, this, this insecurity. And, um, you know, a lot of people are just shaken up. He, listen, he's there. He's close. He rescues us. We don't ignore the facts. We don't put our head in the sand. Look, here's some facts. Coronavirus has been declared a pandemic. That's a fact. So what's a pandemic? You know, I I didn't know all these terms. I've never experienced a pandemic in my generation, or what I remember. A pandemic is declared when a new disease in which people do not have an immunity for spreads around the world beyond expectation. From the last known stats last night that I saw, it was up to 114 countries around the world with 142,000 people infected. 2,836 cases here in the United States. That's facts. Fact is, the virus is deadly. It's killed people. Nearly 4,300 people have died from the coronavirus. 57 deaths is what I heard last night when I looked it up in the United States. Listen, it's deadly. But putting it into perspective, this is, listen, the media is telling you facts, but they're not telling you everything. Here's the perspective. The 2019 flu, 291,000 to 646,000 deaths worldwide. 12,000 to 61,000 deaths in the U.S. per year. That's from John Hopkins. So I'm just telling you, when you put it in perspective, and I'm not saying, look, we're not, we shouldn't be afraid. But if we look at the, the pandemonium that's taken place from this pandemic. And listen, it's a pandemic. We don't have a cure, but I know the one who can cure it. You know, and so that's where it's like a pandemic has now become a pandemonium. And, and here's what I looked up on pandemonium. It's defined as a wild uproar, a tumult, tumult. Look at this. If you look at the word, is it up on the screen? Yeah. The word demon is found in the middle of the word of pandemonium. Yes. Look at that. It suggests unrest or fear. It's prompted by a demonic or evil spirit. So pandemic which is outside of our control, has now released pandemonium through a demonic spirit to the masses. And what we have to do is recognize I'm not denying there's a pandemic. I just know the God that can cure the pandemic. I refuse to get involved in the pandemonium. Like that's that's what you're seeing now. And, And when you're on social media, that's the challenge of what you're seeing with H-E-B and Costco and all those places is now it's the fear that causes that. It's not it's not it's not the pandemic. It's it's what everybody is afraid of, but thank God the church is ready to rise up. And the fact is, people are afraid. They've been paralyzed with fear. They don't know what to do. But the truth is, we as the church have the solution. We have the answer. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love of sound mind. God doesn't want us to walk in fear. I, I love the social media memes. I'm, I've really gotten off of it, but Phyllis keeps me laughing quite a bit. Um, and so here was a couple of memes that I saw that I thought, it, it, so so much truth comes off of Facebook. Come on, somebody, <clears throat> look at that. The media tells you the coronavirus is coming, and you panic. The Bible tells you Jesus is coming, and you do nothing. Yep. Faith over fear. Look, here here's another one. I thought this was truth right here. Come on, somebody. Wow. <clears throat> I'm just trying to help you be practical. What do you do with the CVS receipt? TP, baby, throw it down to some toilet paper. I just saved some of y'all a trip to Costco. I know that. Look, if we're gonna overcome fear, we've got to define. We got to define it. What is fear? Uh, I, I think this is a great definition. Fear is placing faith in the what ifs. The what-ifs, the what-ifs. Faith in the what-ifs. It's the what-ifs. Like, what if something bad happens? Look, Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, there's a story of Moses. And I'm not going to go into the whole story. But God calls him from the backside of the, the mountain, the desert, to go back into Egypt to free his people. To lead them out of Egyptian slavery and bondage into the promised land. And so, if you know the story, Moses' interaction with God starts through a burning bush. It was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And so uh, God begins to tell Moses this plan. And Moses has all these excuses. And we know God is like, man, I'm going to be with you. I am is with you. And, and here what we see is though God gives Moses the word, the command, the instruction, the ability to rely on God and not on man. This is Moses' response. Verse 1. What if, everybody say that together. What if they do not believe me or listen to me or say the Lord did not appear to you? So his fear is the fear of the opinion of men. What if the people you sent me to rescue... They say that God didn't send you. What if it doesn't turn out like you said? So instead of moving forward in faith, he allows the what if to paralyze him in fear and the opinion of people to almost stop him from being the deliverer of God's people out of Egyptian bondage. I would propose that the what ifs in our life will keep us from delivering the people in our region out of the bondage of fear. Like, what if God doesn't heal them? But what if he does? What if God doesn't provide? But what if he does? What if God doesn't do what he spoke to my heart? But what if he does? I mean, think about it. What if the economy goes into a recession? What if I lose my job? What if our company goes out of business? And, and what if Fort Bend County goes into lockdown? What if I contract the virus? What if my kids contract the virus? Look, I'm not minimizing these concerns. All of these are legitimate. I'm not trying to minimize the impact and the scope in which it would impact people. I think we have to do everything we can to be prepared, which is why as a church we've done everything, the live stream, sanitizing. Look, when we pray for you today, we got sanitizers down here. Many people are carrying it in their pockets. You know, we're not dapping you. We got more sanitizer out there. If you want to rub it on your head, if you want to pour it on your head, we've got enough. You don't have to worry about it. Like we've done everything we can to be ready and to make sure that we're prepared, but we have also got to continue to believe God's going to keep us safe. Protect us. I'm not going to be paralyzed by fear. Look at what the psalmist said. Psalm 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear. I'm not going to fear. So let me just pause there and tell you. It's okay to feel fear. Just don't camp out with fear. Like I'm not saying you. I mean when Phyllis started telling me about all the stuff going off the shelves and you know, we were trying to get things, and I'm like, listen, we're not going to walk in fear. Like, I'm not going to, like, I got it, but my God is greater. Like, we're going to figure this out. We're going we're gonna to get us some toilet paper. Come on, or I got some receipts. I mean, whatever, whatever. Get some fig leaves. Like, get some, whatever it takes, you know. I mean, I got it. Like, I'm just not going to camp out with fear. And here's what I know, too. I, I remember, and I didn't tell this to the other. I remember when I was doing the crosswalk. You guys remember I walked 52 miles around Rosenberg. I felt like the Lord really told me to, to mark this city, this community off. And uh, I remember there was, I, I felt like the Lord said to do the walk, but don't take water with you. And so that's a long walk, yo. I was walking for three days. It was early in the morning. To, and, and I just said, okay, God, I'm not going to do it. And every time I was thirsty. I remember one time it was the second day i'm thirsty and i'm getting thirsty and i just thought it i said man i i would really love some water and lo and behold pastor brian and zelda just swing right around i kid you not almost as quick as i thought it pulled up pastor zelda hands me some water said hey i we've been looking for you for two hours but we just saw you here's some water So I I have some experiences like that where it's like, God, I've been there and I think God uses that to test your faith. So here's what I'm telling you. You may not have enough toilet paper right now, but when you need it, there may be a knock on the door. Hey, I just felt like you needed some toilet paper. I felt like you needed some food. I felt like you. So you were just on my heart. I know it's weird. I don't normally take people TP, but just that's the kind of thing you have to build your faith for. <clears throat> Why? Because God's your source, not Costco. God's your source, not H-E-B. God's your source. You with me? That's the faith we have to build up. I'm not going to fear. When earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea, let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Look, look at this verse 6. <clears throat> the nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. And this sounds a lot like what's happening around the world. But here's what I love. God has already been there and done that. He's not afraid. He says, when that happens, I'll be your strength. When that happens, I'll be your refuge. Don't worry, I've got you in times of trouble. Faith isn't tested when everything's going good. Faith is tested in the middle of a crisis. That's when you really see what you believe. Look, we can talk faith. We can talk Christianese. But when you see... Whether or not people really believe the word of God is in the middle of a trial. It's in the middle of a test. And it's seen not by your words, but it's how you respond. It's not in what you say, it's in what you do. And I believe this crisis is an opportunity for us to choose faith. For us to not react in fear, but to respond in faith. That we would respond knowing that God is advancing his kingdom. Again, it's okay to feel fear, but don't camp out with fear. Don't embrace it, don't don't coddle it, don't don't keep it close. When fear comes, what do you do? You have to get the word of God. That was one of the things that I loved about this study, of um, just this message, was really getting all the scriptures on fear. And I'm not going to tell them all, but I'm about to give you a, a several. So if you got some to write them down, I want you to write them down. <clears throat> when you look at this, it builds your faith. Because God knew you would be facing fear, but if you don't go to God's word, He can't build your faith. Like even talking to somebody who doesn't build your faith, it's the word of God. Look, Deuteronomy :8: "He will never leave you or forsake you. Never. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Psalm 18:2, "The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer." Isaiah 43:1, "Do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine." Look, don't be afraid. So so this is God's word to you, his promise to you. He said, you're mine. Think about this. If God can't keep what belongs to him safe, what kind of a God is he? I mean, think about that. Like, why would God say, listen, you're mine. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to face trials, but I just think at the end of the day, you got to realize when you belong to God, when, when you have the, the mentality of God, you're my daddy, you're my father. Like, your word says I belong to you, that, that I am redeemed, that I don't have to be afraid. Then you recognize the love of God who actually is keeping you safe, that protects you, that guards you, that guides you. Look, John four eighteen. Perfect love casts out fear. Yes. Now, I want to encourage you with this. We're getting ready to close. I'm going to close with this, and then we'll going to pray. Um, you guys go ahead and come up. 1 John 4, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love. God's love. It's perfect. And here's what we know. How, how does perfect, because I thought about this a lot. How does perfect love cast out fear? Well, the closer you are to God... The more you realize his nature, how much he loves you, the less fear you have in your life. And so really fear is a proximity issue. It's it's, it's not even as much of a faith issue as proximity. Like there is a portion of it that's faith. You got to get the word. But the closer you are, the more you feel his love, the more you experience love, the more fear has to go because it's in the presence of God. Here's an example. This weekend, we were we were on vacation this week. We're getting away, went to Galveston. It's been a couple of days. We went to Pleasure Pier. It's a cool little place. Kids have always wanted to go. So we said, hey, we're going to go out there. And uh, Addison loves to ride big, big boy rides. You know, she's eight years old. And so there's this high swing. We start off on the low swing. And I thought that was pretty scary. But we did the low swing. And then there's a high swing. And I kid you not, this thing is like ginormous. I'm like, oh, wow, that, that's what you want to ride? Are you sure you want to ride that? She said, well, I really do. I'm a little nervous, but I really want to ride it. She said, let's go get in line. And so I said, all right, let's go, let's go get in line. I said, you know, you, you sure you want to ride She said, well, if you're with me, I'll ride it. Like, see, she understood if Daddy's with me, that Daddy will keep her safe. Now, I don't know what I would have done if the thing broke down, but, <laughs> but Daddy was with her. And so we get in. Now, God knows what to do. I, I mean, you put me on a swing, I'll be screaming like a girl. Somebody knows. So we got up to the top. And uh, before we got up to the top, I had my hand on her leg. I said, are you OK? She said, I'm good. So I pulled my hand off her leg. And she said, oh, no, put your hand back on my leg, daddy. And she was holding on. And I said, are you afraid? She said, no, but no, daddy, I got you. And she just holding on and holding on. So I'm, and she cut off circulation to my arm. And so I'm, I'm holding on to her. And holding on. But I thought, isn't that a perfect picture of God? See, the fear didn't go. She just wasn't going to be paralyzed for it because she knew who she was with. And so she overcame the fear. Sometimes you wait for the fear to leave, and you can quote Scripture all day long, but, but really I've learned fear doesn't leave by just quoting Scripture. You have to step out with your daddy in faith. Like it's taking the step of faith. Like, God, you're with me, and I'm going to white-knuckle it, and, and I don't like it, and I'm not sure about it. But the truth is, you're with me, and I'm going to step out. That's, that's the place where miracles happen. They don't happen in the boat. And so I just want to encourage you, this, this is a season of miracles. Expect God to do amazing things. Expect God to break out like never before. Expect God to do what only God can do.